the best time of the day show. So it's Friday, it's time for our omnibus, which means you can hear all the stuff you missed this week in one fell swoop. Starting my career as a sort of gopher at BBC Radio Birmingham back in 1977, the heart of the nation station, I sort of got a job in my final year at college helping out on the breakfast show called Heart of the Nation. And uh, I used to show guests in and get them cups of coffee and and things like that, and and then graduated to... uh, editing tapes and stuff like that so uh, this was a brilliant uh, career grounding if you like um also one of the things i had to do was to look after the presenter have a suspicion that this chap lovely man as he is or was is no longer with us uh, i think probably his habits actually i'm about to explain would mean that he isn't with us any longer uh, and he was wonderfully wonderfully well spoken i think he'd had a career in the world service or probably the empire service because he was quite elderly uh, back in the 70s so he'd probably be well over 100 by now had he survived though in fact he pretty well so well pickled that in fact he could be around and looking even younger uh, than uh, we all do uh, but um, he would say to me uh special tea boy and i would go into the studio and he would give me a five pence piece or two pence piece or whatever back then and a special tea meant going to the coffee machine at the end of the corridor which is one of those horrible max pack things and putting in your two pence or whatever and selecting tea Okay, what was special about that? I hear you cry. Nothing. But then I had to go around to the newsroom and open his briefcase. And in his briefcase, genuinely no word of a lie, was nothing but a bottle of VAT 69. So therefore, you pour a little bit of the the tea away and top it up with the whiskey and take it back into the studio and hand it to him. Whereupon, thank you, boy. And he'd carry on. He smoked sort of untipped park drive cigarettes as well. So the thing was, he used to have guests in there as well. And I remember some MP from Birmingham coming in and coming out and going, you know what? Someone had a party in there or something. Crikey, that's terrible smell in there. But there was this wonderful journalist, Doyon of Broadcasting. I was in the World Service, you know. Uh, <laughs> stuff. Meanwhile, as the programme going on, it's from seven until nine. <laughs> We're getting drunker and drunker, this man. And also I realised I could control him, <laughs> judging by how special I made his tea. So if he'd annoyed me for any reason, he'd been more patronising than normal or whatever, he would get an extra special tea, which actually corresponded with him starting to drool one morning because his diction had gone completely and actually started to slobber on his script in the studio. I think he's a bit specialed up this morning. All right, fine. And so eventually, I think that uh, it was that moment where he was dis- he disappeared uh, shortly after that. I don't think it was a career-ending thing from my point of view, but I just know that uh, uh, that he was one of these people who it was just a, it was something terrible was just waiting to happen. So I think because he used to have to read the news as well at lunchtime, so we'd do this. He'd have two hours of drunken news and current affairs, then he'd disappear for a couple of hours. He'd come back and slur his way through the one o'clock news and then it was time to go up to the BBC club to get really stuck in. My middle initial really should be M of standing for meek really because I'm not one for uh, for fighting or fisticuffs or any sort of unpleasantness at all but occasionally I don't know what it is you can get yourself into a situation without actually realizing it and uh, there are two things that I think about now and my blood runs cold 
because when I think about what could have happened. But luckily, a friend of mine who was far more powerful and forceful a personality than me was able, and far more articulate was able to save me on both these occasions. Uh, the first occasion was, uh, you see, I'm not very sporty, so I don't really know anything about sport and frankly i'm not really all that interested either you know if you like sport that's great but don't expect me to share your enthusiasm and uh, it was a, the the night after a student party so you know what you know you're full you're full of, of cheap cider and stuff like that you've got a terrible hangover and you're lying in your clothes on the landing of some dreadfully grimy terraced house somewhere in my case in birmingham which because it's a student accommodation it hadn't been cleaned in years so you're lying there feeling absolutely vile uh, but knowing full well that soon the pubs will be open you'll be going and you'll feel a lot better or maybe having a fry up at the local transport cafe but apparently there was some cricket on and it must have been one of those important matches matches between England and Australia or something like that and so one of the people who hadn't been at the party who was a, a student version of a SWAT without a doubt uh, had been listening to sort of test mass match special from Adelaide or whatever and uh came out i was just you know you want to, when you have a really bad hangover you don't want to hear everything is exaggerated you don't want to hear anything because you know that even opening your mouth to say anything you can hear squeaking which is really uncomfortable so you don't want anybody to make any noise so this bloke suddenly bursts out of his bedroom shouting they've got greg they've got greg they've got greg i think there was a cricketer called greg and he may have been bowled out or something like that and so therefore, from underneath the sleeping bag or whatever, this voice, which sounded uncannily like mine, said, Who the fuck cares? At that point, luckily, sleeping beside me was my best mate, who you know, was groggily coming round as well in his sleeping bag, realised that this bloke was, was aiming a boot at my head and managed to grab his ankle in time and usher him back into his bedroom and say, no, leave him, he's just... Da, da, da. So that was fine. So, But I never even realised that until later on in the day. So, you know, you got your head kicked in by that bloke, really? Why? Well, he was obviously a cricket nut and, you know, what, something terrible had happened at the cricket and he was having difficulty coping with it. I said, all right, fair enough. And uh, a year or two later, we are sitting in this pub and um, there was some people fooling about, basically. And... Uh, and they weren't being, they were just being annoying. They weren't being very funny or anything like that. And uh, and it was this woman and this bloke. I remember she was wearing silver trousers. You can tell it was the 1970s. And so they, they, were, they were running backwards and forwards. And uh, I made some remark to a friend of mine, like, this really isn't very funny at all, is it? It's rather annoying. And suddenly the bloke sitting, it was one of those pubs where the, you had a sort of bench seat and people would sit next to one another looking into the pub, you know, those banquettes, or whatever they used to call them, stuffed with horsehair. And uh, suddenly this voice piped up, that's my wife you're talking about, with that sort of tone of voice and glare, which meant I'm now about to hit you. To which, again, this mate of mine to the rescue suddenly pipes up, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. We're talking about something entirely different. Don't you have the temerity to actually listen into other people's conversations? How rude of you! And he did it in such an aggressive way. Oh, all right, fine. I think, and you know what? I couldn't enjoy the next five pints because my hands were shaking so much. Now, having mentioned in a previous podcast, Page 3 model uh, Maria Whitaker, uh, one of the most famous of the Page 3 models was Linda Lusardi, who's still doing panto and all sorts of stuff now, and she's great by all accounts. And 
I've mentioned this friend of mine. I was saying I'm dining out on these stories of my friend that, uh, who worked for the top shelf magazine in London during the late 70s, early 80s. And uh, out of their window, because they were in sort of Chantry Lane, and they were, they were actually they were about third or four stories up. And they were just sort of staring out this rather grimy window at Chantry Lane going up and down. And suddenly there was a building side hobbies at that particular time. And uh, they could see Linda Lusardi walking up the street. They're, All right. So they rushed downstairs thinking, oh, perhaps we can sort of try and get a quote for her for the magazine or something like that, even though I don't think she ever appeared in this particular magazine. And as she was walking past this building site, this is not allowed now, I don't think. And I think there's, a, you know, you can lose your job and all sorts of stuff. Uh, terrible things can happen to you. But if you were a builder, right, in the late 70s, early 80s, with the arse hanging out your trousers, standing there with your hard hat on, and, you know, an attractive woman... Or better still, a page three model comes sashaying past. You can't stop yourself, can you? You really can't. You've got to start hooting. And so therefore there was a... All that sort of stuff. Which reminds me of a former girlfriend of mine was actually uh, pedalling past a building site once and one of the blokes on the scaffolding shouted, Lucky saddle! At her as she pedalled past. You know, this is what we're dealing with here. And uh, Linda Lusardi actually being made of sterner stuff. And I suppose used to heard it all before and then some and being a really generally rather nice person by all accounts thought right okay these guys are my fans you know they will be sitting there with their 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 lunchtime sandwiches or whatever having looking at the page three of the sun which i'm featured in many times uh, a year so i'm not going to sort of piss them off by being horrible to them so (laughs) these blokes are going to do a a gesture in all this sort of the the pelvic thrusts etc and whistling and hooting so she wanders over to the building site and stops and looks at them and eventually they stop and she goes hello lads how you doing and they didn't know what to do <laughs> they were so embarrassed <laughs> they go, oh, oh, uh, we're big fans of yours uh, uh, any chance for the autograph nice to see it see nice okay, okay lads i think she signed a couple of autographs and went away and they just these guys just they just did just, just, just turn into a pool of nothing and go oh whether or not they sort of you know, once she was safely out of out of shot so to speak reverted to go fuck one walk off sort of stuff I, I don't know but apparently it was just pure poetry to watch If you believe in evolution as I do, you'll know that we, you know, we, we've learned things over the millennia. And so therefore, we have skills that we don't necessarily utilise. And I don't know if you, you know, we I used to watch so many cowboy films when I was a kid. You know, we are all native trackers. You know that? Yeah. It's very simple. We can tell. And I don't mean by sort of putting your... This is not recommended, actually, to lie down on the pavement with your ear to the ground and going, many horses this way come. It's not going to be like that. But we are all native trackers. I shall give you two examples. Where is the nearest McDonald's? How can you tell? Sniffing the air? No. Look at the pavement. All you need to know is on the pavement. For the simple reason, walk on the pavement until you see gherkins. The moment you see gherkins on the pavement, you know that the McDonald's is only a few hundred yards away for the simple reason. And this is maybe a bit of a sweeping statement, but I think it's, it's, it's fairly true. Nobody likes gherkins. 
but they insist on putting them in your Big Mac or whatever. So you order your Big Mac and you come out and you're walking along the street going, oh, God, gherkins. So you take them out and a lot of people just throw them on the pavement. So therefore, people know where the nearest McDonald's is. Also, they know where you've gone. Uh, if they were, I suppose they got down, if, if one of them's still steaming slightly, they know that's the, the closest one to you because it'll be the last one you've flung on the pavement. And the other thing is, if you ever wonder where the postman has gone, very simple. Look at the pavement again. There'll be rubber bands. I don't know how many rubber bands the average postman gets through on a round, but it must be thousands. I don't actually buy rubber bands these days. I just pick them up when I see them on the pavement. I've got plenty. I'm never going to be short of rubber bands. Also, it goes to show that if you come out of your house and you see a rubber band, then another one further up, another one further up, that may well be the direction that the postman has gone. So if he's mister or she has misdirected a letter and it's for somebody else, you can catch up with them. Just follow the trail of rubber bands and the top part of the rubber band, or rather, when the rubber bands are beginning to run out, you'll know that the postman is there at the end of his or her round. And so you can, if you want, hand over that letter. So there are two reasons why you all have a native tracker in us. The best time of the day show is back Monday. Please, please stay. Best time of the day show is a loading zone production. La di da.